What is going on, everybody? Hope you guys are all doing well out there. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We're on show number 193, and I know that I kind of uh, under-promise, over-delivered a little bit this month. I know that I think I promised just maybe a handful of shows. I thought I'd be moving by now, but not. And quite frankly, no fault of my own. I should be moving soon. Maybe one day I'll I'll tell my uh, my uh, lending and buy home buying story. But for now, I've got a lot of topics to talk about, so we should get on to them. There is a Breaker Culture website, BreakerCulture.com. Thought that I am not affiliated with, with this. I have no idea who set this website up. So I'll start all this with that. I have no idea who this person is. I may know them. I may not. Uh, This person did not contact me. I found this website just straight on the the recommendation of my brother, who we'll have on the show. I know a lot of you guys are looking forward to hearing from him from the National. And like I said, on the next show, uh, or in the last show, actually, we should have him uh, twice. Um, Once probably before the National and during, maybe after, too. We'll see. But... He tipped me off on this Breaker Culture website, which what is Breaker Culture? It's basically a Breaker's review website. So like a website where you provide reviews and um, things and and kind of rate Breaker's based on different criteria. So it could be based on their pricing or based on how friendly they are. Sounded like, uh, you know, something you could rate somebody on Um, and other factors. So I thought it was pretty cool. There's definitely a lot of reviews there. And so um, I don't have a whole lot else to say about the website other than, you know, if you're into breaks, if you're into buying into breaks, um, it might be a website where you're able to kind of make your first kind of look look into it. Um, so just wanted to point that out and um, just let you know that it's out there. The other thing I wanted to say about breaking was – that, you know, I was, I was looking through breaker culture and I started looking at what people complain about. You know, the pricing is one thing. Um, sometimes some breakers build in their promotional, you know, uh, pricing because nobody can do this for free. So uh, the guys that are giving away a lot of stuff have to make that up somehow or they go, they'll go out of business at some point. So they'll either go drive themselves out of business, which often happens in business, or um, they'll figure it out and they'll either need to charge more or give away less, one of the two. So breakers figured this out over the course of the year. But the one thing that I noticed is when I've spoken to breakers in the past and, and kind of this argument um, that the really like people that are really into breaks and really like breaks, one of the first things they'll often say is that, hey, breaks – Breaks get you into a product for far cheaper than it, it would have. And for me, that argument's always fallen flat a little bit because I think that that is more a reflection on what the manufacturer is charging and not what the breaker is charging. But the breakers are charging a lot of the times when I'm looking for breaks and I see guys, you know, hey, I got eight spots left or hey, we got a sale or whatever. I'm looking at the price of these breaks. A lot of times the lowest price is a cheap break now is 20, 30 bucks. That's really cheap. A lot of times I've seen the starting price on breaks, 49, 59, dollars and up is sometimes where these breaks breaks are being priced at. And so now we're not in that mold now where we're yeah we're getting somebody if you get an you know an $80 spot into an immaculate break sure you couldn't buy a box for $80 but there's just I could have bought another box of cards with that $80 you know what I mean so whereas for $5 or for $10 now at that price point can I even buy like one card of Immaculate at that price or, you know, a set of that, maybe not quite that expensive, but maybe take um, like a $200 box or a $300 box, which is, used to be ultra expensive is now is kind of in that middle range. It seems like 
But even then, um, even for $150, $200 boxes, in order to get uh, packs of those cards, it's still quite expensive. So what I'm saying is, um, I don't exactly know what I'm saying. I think I've made this argument quite before, but the breaker's price points is far too high. That's why breaking hasn't had quite the impact people thought it was going to have. I think people thought it was bringing a lot of money and a lot of new money and a lot of uh you know, money, basically money flowing through the hobby. People were, were coming in and certainly it has. Certainly people have gotten into breaking that might not have been into collecting or as much into collecting as anything else. But so does anything else in the hobby. And typically what it does is it pulls money away from money that would have been spent elsewhere, whether it was single cards or buying their own boxes or buying something at a hobby shop, whatever it might is, it's not really creating any new money. Um, where I think new money would be created in the breaking world would be at a much lower price point to where I can buy into a box break for under $5 to where I can click a button. And at that point, do I need something free? Do I need skunk protection? Do I need it to be shipped out to me with lightning efficiency and speed? Me, for me, no. Certainly there's other customers out there that'll feel differently, but at a $5 and under price point for a break, I don't need any customer service. I don't really need the live stream to be all that great or even live if I trust you. Back in the day, we used to buy into breaks for that price and we would just trust the guy to open the cards and post the video on YouTube and then tell us when the break was on YouTube. I didn't need to watch it live for five bucks. If for 50 bucks, yeah, I want to know that I'm getting what I'm paying for. So I don't think a lot of this thought process goes through a lot of people's heads in this in the breaker community. Most, I don't think, went to business school. Not that you have to go to business school, but this is the kind of stuff that they do teach you to think about is price points. And the psychology of those price points and the expectations that come from those price points. So you charge people more. They're going to expect more. You need to deliver more. They're going to expect then customer service on top of that. All those things are really expensive. Whereas a $5 break, it's, you know. No one's expecting top-level customer service for that price. No one's expecting the cards to be shipped out in 24 hours for that price. No one even probably cares. There's a way low standard. So just ask yourself as a business person. Sometimes you don't, you know, there there's only room in the world for a, a number of like Apple and Rolex and uh, uh, those types of companies there that charge a lot and make a lot of money. Okay, there, there. You can play on the low end too, and sometimes that's where the opportunity is, especially if nobody else is there. And I don't see a lot of breakers. There's some breakers playing on that low end, and by low end, I don't necessarily mean a tops opening day break or a tops uh, Allen Ginter break. Even would be considered low end, um, considering some of the stuff people break these days. But figure out a way where I can buy into Immaculate for $5. There's ways to do it. I don't need to, I mean, I can think of about five different ways you can price a $1,000 box to where you can make money, I can be happy, everybody can be happy, and we can all buy in for less than $10 a piece. It can happen really easily. You just got to figure out a way to price it out and not be worried about skunk protection and and all this other stuff giveaways and freebies and add-ons at that price point at 40 50 and up certainly you have to but at the lower price point there's so much less things you have to worry about so i don't think people think about that and so that's why we're on today's program right here next topic this is one you're probably not seeing all over the place don't know if this was on Twitter very much. Don't know if this is circulating around uh, the major collector forms. But the NBA license is up for renewal. That's right, folks. Um, I'm not exactly sure. Um, I'm hearing this through a third party, so I'm not exactly sure if it's the ML- NBA PA license or it's both or what it is. I know that the owners have an opportunity to opt out of a, a, a collect a bargaining contract next year and depending on how the NBA season goes that may or may not happen but uh, that's a side note 
I do know that within a year or two, Panini's um, deal, which is on a renewal, will then, um, you know, Panini's either going to have to renew or what I think could happen this year, uh, for whatever reason, I think the NBA could grant Upper Deck not necessarily like a 50-50 license with Panini. Um, but you could see something where Upper Deck could get involved here. Um, if, if Upper Deck has some ability to negotiate a little bit, and I don't know how, what kind of position they are to negotiate with the NBA, but um, I could imagine some scenarios where Upper Deck could be granted uh, a license to create a certain number of sets. I think that would ultimately be healthy uh, to the industry. Personally, I think what would be ultimately healthy for the industry is if they take the number of sets that are being made now and essentially divide them between the two companies. I think what they're making now is far too much, but we've already, you know, we've already crossed that bridge. Okay. That bridge has been blown through. Now we need to build a new one. So, you know, I think in today's environment, it would be not, maybe I'm living in a fantasy world, but I'd like to see Upper Deck involved just for the mere fact that Panini has its head in so many different areas. I re, the, uh, the odds of them making compelling basketball cards, and especially if Upper Deck's willing to sign number one picks like Ben Simmons to an exclusive contract and maybe other athletes, um, and basketball players, and and on top of having the two two of the greatest, one, the greatest basketball player of all time, and then one of the other greatest basketball players, and certainly one of the greatest basketball players right now, and of the last fifteen years, LeBron James and Michael Jordan helps obviously not not breaking any news here. So, um, we'll see. I think you want to keep an eye out for that. It might just be. You know, a formality. Panini gets uh, get, gets their hands on this again for another. Uh, you know, it seems like the NBA renews in a little bit shorter time frame than the NFL. The NFL likes to work. I know with their contracts with Directv and Nike tend to be a little bit longer in nature, and certainly the NFL PA I think penned a ten year agreement with Tops, or excuse me, with Panini. God, we know it's not with Tops, but um, we'll see. Upper Deck at least. Uh, confirming again, this is Upper Deck, an employee at Upper Deck confirmed that the company made a bid on the NBA license, which is up for renewal, supposedly. Um, so we'll see. Definitely not holding my breath, thinking that Upper Deck will get the exclusive license and Penny will be kicked to the curb. I honestly think that's a very, very, very long shot type scenario, considering Penny has investments with. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and a number of other basketball players on top of Kobe Bryant, who is no longer in the NBA, but certainly a large part of the NBA still. But I believe that these leagues, while they do a lot of exclusive deals, they they do a lot of TV deals and a lot of other deals where they even... Um, if you take football for ex- or baseball, for example, Majestic is the on-field jersey supplier of baseball jerseys. But you'll see players wear Nike and Under Armour underneath those uniforms. You'll also go to certain baseball stores and you'll see brands you don't recognize that make MLB licensed gear. They're granted maybe a t-shirt line or a women's line or a certain segment of the market. And I think the NBA, if they were smart, I don't think the NBA listens to this podcast, the NBA PA, but I know for a fact the people of Upper Deck and Panini listen to this. And if the people at Upper Deck listen to this that have negotiation powers or the ability to talk to the attorneys that negotiate these contracts, I would try to bargain for some kind of set or two at the very least, whether or not you can get a piece of the NBA license, half of it, a quarter of it is regardless. 
I would just try to get in the door. You know, don't look at it necessarily. I don't know. Again, I don't, I'm not privy to how these negotiation works, but from again i'm trained as a business student and how i would be trained in this situation would be don't turn it into an all or nothing situation where it's either you get the nba license or you get nothing and panini gets the nba license or some other company it could be that there's more bidders that the tops could be bidding leaf could be bidding some other company konami which I think owns Pokemon, who probably has a ton of money right now, is might be bidding. Or whoever owns Pokemon, Nintendo owns Pokemon, or somebody owns Pokemon, could be bidding. It's the same business. Could be some China company, because basketball's, uh, you know, rumored to likely spread that way. I mean, they'd love to be in China. Trust me, they'd love to have a team in China right now. Could be someone over there. I don't know. But if I was Upper Decks people... I would be trying desperately not to turn this into an all or nothing situation to where it's either you got a piece of the NBA license or you, you stood pat. I would at least try to make the opportunity while you were in front of these people, at least a little bit, try to project that, Hey, can we do business one way or another? Um, that's what I would be trying uh, my darndest to do. I don't know how easy or hard that is. It's probably a lot easier when you're sitting here in your living room, uh, talking in a microphone. So we'll move on. Uh, related a little bit to this is I have here sports card radio. I've been noticing, I've been getting uh, daily hits, regular hits on our website. People looking for 2016 tops football, wondering when the release date is wondering what the set looks like. So, and my, my website is far from the, the high, a highly trafficked website within the sports card community. So certainly there's, there's a lot of people that don't realize that the NFL license is now in the hands of Panini. And people are going to realize that quickly. I did see a thread on Blowout where I saw some members that had well in excess of 10,000 posts. I saw actually three of them, I believe. Which is post uh, the no, sheer number of posts, not always a uh, a sign of of your you know where you are in this hobby. But I did recognize a few of these these usernames um, across other websites and Twitter and all that. So I I, you know, I don't know who these people are personally, but I recognize their opinion. And a lot of them expressed how how out of it, how disinterested. I think would be the best word to describe how people feel about this year's football, um, whether or not. That interest is gets more peaked as the games start getting played. I can imagine as the games start getting played, we get preseason. We start watching the NFL Network almost 24-7. We play fantasy. We're playing daily fantasy, et cetera, et cetera. We get more involved in football. We're going to get more involved in football cards. So I'll take everything that's said with a grain of salt, but um, we'll see how this opinion goes moving forward. But certainly if you're a seller that's something you want to keep in mind that this year, I don't think we've, we haven't even been able to quantify the impact, the exclusive license uh, the NFL is going to have on this business because the NFL is, is such a boom, a boom and bust type industry. It's more of a boom during the season. It can provide some real seasonal income um, during those months. And if people are disinterested, it's not going to be good. Or only interested, I, what I saw where people were were still going to be interested in football cards, but they were going to be very selective. They certainly weren't going to be in there buying everything that Panini had and they weren't buying the college stuff. So if you're a seller, yeah, I, it's time to start innovating. That would be my suggestion to you if you're not selling on check out my cards i don't know what you're doing but uh you you've you've blown an opportunity because um i will talk about check out my cards in a minute but every single the minute check out my cards announced you could sell your cards on check out my cards for basically nothing uh excuse me you can sell your cards on check out my cards onto ebay for basically nothing that made every card already on the site more valuable. How much more valuable? What percentage that was in comparison to the value of the card already? Certainly something we'll discuss. But 
if you're not selling on eBay, if you're not, uh, you know, experimenting with some of this tops now stuff, if you're not experimenting with different price points, you're going to go out of business. This football season, I think is going to be rough basketball without, with kind of a split oh, rookie class where we got the number one pick with upper deck and we've got every other, uh, athlete pretty much with Panini, you know, it, it all depends. And there's the kid from, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but there's a kid that's been drafted by Minnesota that looks really good. Great player. Unfortunately, the the people I've been listening to say he's not even going to be a starter, uh, at least for the first part of the season, unless they make some trades, which they're trying to do in Minnesota. Also, they have, uh, think about it, they have coach Tom Thibodeau in uh, in uh, Chicago, or in, uh, not in Chicago, that he used to coach Chicago. Now he's going to coach Minnesota. And he is not a kind of coach, I don't think, that is going to allow a rookie to just jack up shots. In fact, I know that won't be the case. So there's going to be all this little chirp, all this hype around uh, Minnesota uh, Timberwolves rookie. Can't remember his name. Great, great radio. I know that. But uh, keep all that in mind. Anyways, moving on. Let's uh, a listener on Twitter at Beans Card Blog B E A N S B Card Blog dot com. So I know. Um, so Beans Ball Card Blog. Um, he has a blog. So check him out on Twitter. Send me a tweet today. Said he bought this card this morning. For a dollar, what card did he buy? He bought a 2015-16 Upper Deck Shining Stars Blue Royal. Royal Blue, number SS18. Pika Reen. Probably butchered his name, but I think that's kind of how you say it. Bought it for a dollar on 719, which he said was this morning, just when we're recording the show. And we'll play a drum roll here. No, we won't. We don't have sound effects. We're not cool like that. But if we were, we'd be doing a drum roll and saying, Beans Ball Card Blog sold the card later that day for how much? $8 onto eBay. So I'll let that sink in. I don't know if that really resonates with people that listen to the show or people realize the power of that. And so I'll, I'll try to... I'll try to, um, you know, put into words what I think this will do for the hobby over time. Because this is just one transaction in one day by one seller on one card in one moment. As we're doing this show, whether or not people buy one card for $1 and sell it for 8 that's an incredible win. I can imagine those opportunities get a l- the window on those opportunities is still wide open. It's so wide. I, I probably should t- pause and turn off this podcast and go be buying cards on check on my cards. In fact, I ran out of money in my hundred dollar account and I'm, and I don't want to say I cheated, but I sold a Michael Ola candy card to my brother for more than um, what a lot of other people would have paid, but it was within range of what uh, the card was likely worth. If he was trying to buy it on eBay. So I sold it to him for $3. I bought it for a dollar. So it replenished my bank account. $3 is a lot, goes a long ways on check out my cards. Um, so my point was, I don't think people realize that on eBay, the way it sounds like for the last 15 years, the way the hobby has worked is people buy cards or they get cards. I don't care how they get the cards, whether it's through group breaking, whether it's buying at a card store, buying it a box, buying it at an estate sale, doesn't matter. People get cards and they sell them on eBay. They list them on eBay and they sell them. Now that money they get paid in the past used to get checks and it was, it was, it was a mess. Now I think it's a little too limited now, but now you only get paid through PayPal. However, PayPal is, is an enormous business. I'm not breaking any news there. But with PayPal, 
I can take that money and I can do a number of different things. I can very quickly, and it seems that that distance, I remember you used to withdraw money from PayPal and it would take days. Now it seems like I've withdrawn money from PayPal at in the evening and it comes to my bank account the next day. I don't know if that's everybody, but I know the technologies that are making that happen or kind of the processes behind the scenes that are making that happen. But uh, And that's the future of all banking, actually. Um, it's not the next day. It's actually instant. But again, we're, we're moving into a side tangent. Um, but PayPal, my point is, people got – this is for the last like 15 years. People have gotten cards. People have listed them on eBay. People have sold those cards and gotten money through PayPal, and they've used that money to withdraw, put it into their bank account, which then goes to pay bills. They've maybe PayPal'd money to some friends. They've maybe bought drugs. They've maybe bought tickets to a ball game. They've maybe bought uh, whatever with that money. There's you can do PayPal money is as close to cash as it being in your bank account. In fact, it's probably closer to cash than actually being in your bank account. So it's very liquid. PayPal, a PayPal account is very liquid. And all that money, think about all that money that has been spent on cards over the years on eBay. Think about all that money. Every transaction, not only you have done, but every single collector in the whole world has done on eBay. All that money has flown through PayPal. And then that money is very easily and very liquid be able to transfer that to anything I want. I could buy a guitar. I could buy a cell phone. I could pay my cell phone bill. I could buy marijuana. I could buy pizza. I could buy whatever I want. Now, now we're in 2016, and within the last 30 days, Check On My Cards has announced you can now sell onto eBay through its platform. And my prediction is everybody's, unless... And I'll go through this in a little bit. Unless check on my cards changes their fee structures, which I will spend about 10 minutes saying why they shouldn't here in a minute. But unless check out my cards really changes a fee structure, now think about it. I believe that check on my cards has now put themselves in a very powerful position that a lot of eBay sales are going to start flowing through them. Not all of them. But we're starting to see kind of the snowball effect. And I believe that snowball will get great, will get bigger and bigger. If you think, check out my card's share of card sales on eBay right now is big or impressive. It's going to get more impressive as they're able to scale that operation up as eBay makes it easier. Trust me, eBay's going to make it easier for check out my cards to sell on their site and make it cheaper. Because that's what eBay wants too. eBay and Check On My Cards, I don't think they're specifically working together here. But the vision of both companies both are on the same page here. They both want to be working together. They don't view each other as competitors. And I don't either. They are partners working together. However, Check On My Cards has a distinct advantage because... The money now, think about it. Where is the money going to flow from check out my card sales? Think about our listener. He bought a card this morning for a dollar and he sold that card for $8 and that money was instantly deposited into his check out my cards account. Now, I certainly expect him to withdraw money at some point and take the 20% cash out fee. I fully expect him to maybe buy some boxes on blowout, which I think is a different kind of cash out rate. But that's certainly keeping the money in the hobby, so to speak. Certainly much better than him taking his PayPal money and paying his rent with that money or paying his internet bill with that money. Then that money disappears out of the hobby. Yeah, it might reappear later in the form of a wage or a paycheck. But how much time later will that be? Whereas he sold that card for a dollar, instantly got $8 and instantly has credit to spend on Check Out My Cards. And again, one transaction, one day, one month of check on my cards doing this, not going to impact the hobby any more than this podcast will. But my argument is over time, as this snowball gets bigger and bigger, think of all the money. Think of just 
one percent. Think of or remember, we're thinking about all transactions of all time of cards on eBay. Think about that figure, that amount of money. So a huge amount of money. I don't even want to guess how much money has been spent on baseball cards on eBay. But imagine one half of one percent of that, or one percent of that, or two percent of that, or three percent of that, or ten percent of that. Going forward, not looking backwards, but from this point going forward, imagine capturing 8% of that. Or how about 0.00008% of that? You'd be a rich person if you were capturing just that small percentage of that sales. And that's what Checkout My Cards is going to do. How big of a percentage they end up capturing, I don't know. My guess is they'll capture a dominant share. A share where everybody within this hobby is going to realize the number one place to buy and sell cards is not eBay. It's going to be check out my cards. And it's going to be because that's where the money will be. The money will be on check out my cards and not on PayPal. That is why eBay is dominant. We all know eBay sucks. God, everybody knows they have high fees, Every you know. There's lots of reasons not to sell and not to use eBay, but people use it because that's where the money is. It's not where the customers are. It's where the money is. It's because of PayPal. Check out my carts has devised a scheme. I don't think this was intentional. This is going to be a byproduct of what, of what they're doing, but it's going to put them in a dominant position within the industry because a huge percentage of sales are going to flow through Check Out My Cards. And in order to get top dollar, smart sellers will realize this right away, but I'll break it to you here on the Sports Card Show because I don't think there's a lot of smart sellers out there. From what I see on Twitter, even some of these, quote, big sellers that sell, quote, cases and tons of products, whether it's through group break or ripping and flipping, most of them don't really know what they're talking about. Most of them are selling on eBay and exclusively on eBay. But check out my cards is going to be in a very, very, very dominant position because the money is going to flow from eBay out of PayPal accounts, out of the ability to buy any number of things into only the ability um, or where the number one choice is to buy more cards or to buy blowout certificates. Here's another tip for you. If you have a business related to this hobby, Tops, Panini, Upper Deck, you guys should be listening right now. Figure out a way to funnel this cash out money into your pockets because the the value of currency on checkout my cards is going to be more valuable dollar for dollar than it is sitting in a PayPal account. I don't think people realize this. It's just why bit people don't understand why something like Bitcoin can be worth money. If you don't understand why something like Bitcoin can be worth a lot of money, one Bitcoin can be worth way more than $1 or $100 or a few hundred dollars. If you don't understand the concept of that, and you really should because baseball cards have value, lots of intrinsic value themselves too, built into them, then I can't help you. Then I, I can't, I can't help you. Check out my card should be in a very dominant position if they don't change their fee structure. So my um, my side tangent here is I hope that check out my cards does not change their fee structure. They need to keep this. They need for the number one incentive to be keep the money on the site. That's why if you're tops, Panini, Upper Deck, you need to try to partner with Upper Deck. And it needs to be, I need to be able to get dollar for dollar to buy tops now cards through my check out my cards account. Work out a deal with check out my cards to where that works for Tim and that works for you as tops. Work out a deal there because people will be very willing to spend their money, uh, their their account balance on check out my cards on something other than cards within the ecosystem. But the more that check out my cards makes that the sole and number one use of the funds, the better it is for the hobby. If check out my cards raise their cash out fee to 50%, some of you might expect me to come on this podcast and blast them and say, oh, you fooled us. You, you just, you, uh, you know, check out my cards has gone off the deep end. They've gone greedy. I do the total opposite. I actually know 
that people that work at Check Out My Cards listen to this podcast. And I'd actually ask them to raise the cash out fee, make it even higher. If you do the math, it could easily be 40% and it still would make far more sense to sell on Check Out My Cards than it would eBay. I don't want to bore you guys with the math, but just go home, go look at what, just PayPal fees. Don't look at eBay fees. Just go look at the PayPal fees. Go look at what those are. And do the math on those over a thousand transactions. And then the 20% cash out fee that check on my cards charges will look like. Well, you, you can see why he could raise that to 40 and 50%. And you still would sell on that site over eBay. If you don't agree with me, send me an email, sportscardshow at gmail.com. What I'd really like you to do, post on our Facebook page. If you don't agree with me, when I ask for feedback, I'm not asking for you to suck my, you know what, or kiss my ass. I don't need people to kiss my ass. If you If you enjoy the show, if you want to kiss my ass, hey, God, I'm not going to stop you. I appreciate that. I love the love. I love the love, okay? I'm like, T.O., I love me some me. So if you want to love on me and say, hey, nice show here, nice call here, nice, you know, I've been enjoying it. It's got me doing this, this, that, and other. I love hearing that, obviously. But at the same time, if you want to disagree with me, if you think check out my cards is garbage, if you think they won't develop a dominant position with the industry, if you think if they raise their cash out fee to 50%, it, it wouldn't make sense to sell on there versus eBay, come with it. Come with some data. Come with, do the numbers. Don't just disagree because I'm going to make, I'm going to force you in my line of business in the finance world. You can't just come and say, oh, Nike sucks. The stock's going down. Under Armour's the shit. If you say that, no one's going to listen to you. But like I said, go do the math on a thousand transactions, a thousand one dollar transaction. It could be for any dollar amount, but to make it easy, just act like you just sold a thousand one dollar cards on eBay and do the math on the transaction fees you'd pay on eBay. And you'd never, ever, 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 ever complain about the fees that check on my cards charges. You'd realize that the fees they charge are so much lower than eBay's. It's ridiculous. People don't realize it. They look at the top line number. They look at a 20% cash out fee and they're like, I've never seen that before. That must be bad. It's not guys. It's far cheaper than the 3.5% plus 30% you pay 30 cents. You pay PayPal for every transaction. Trust me. And this goes for high volume sellers. If you're a seller here and there, whatever, buy and sell on whatever site you, you know, is convenient for you is what I'd say. But this is a sports card podcast. Most of you guys are on the hot, what I would consider a high level collector, very high level. Like in terms of school, you'd be like postgraduate degree. You wouldn't be in graduate school. You'd be like already have your doctorate and you'd be like working on something else like a second one so or you're trying to get to that point and so i'm trying to help you um if you don't realize it and you're a seller start doing the math goes just start jotting down numbers start doing fictitious kind of you know go look at your own data and kind of marry that against check out my cards i think you're going to start seeing a lot of things i've seen for a long time with this site and that, folks, we're not going to have a long show today, about 30 minutes. I think that's good for the digestion level for most people. We'll do about a 30-minute show. But to, you know, kind of summarizing, I like to, you know, on our shows, I kind of like to sum things up. But check out that Breaker Culture website. Um, let me know what you think about it. If, you, if you're into breaking, leave a review. I'd love to hear from you guys um, about more about group breaking because like I said, the price point is too high for me. Okay. I'm a, I'm a guy. I got a, a really nice car. I got a, I, I'm about to have a really nice house that I'm going to have to put a really lots of money into. Quite frankly, I don't have, a, you know, 
why would I, again, why would I spend 50 to $75 to buy into a break when that's about what it costs to buy the rookie card I'm searching for? Certainly not the parallel version, the one-of-one version, or the really rare version, but I don't know. Forgive me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure as a Laker fan, I could buy D'Angelo, Rook, D'Angelo Russell autograph rookie cards for less than what it costs to buy into a spot. I can buy uh, the other kid that they had, Julius Randle. I think my brother bought one at last year's National for like 20 bucks. It was like on card. It's a beautiful card. Maybe less than that. It might have got it less than that. So my point is these price points are crazy. Um, so it's not surprising that group breakers are getting, you know, a lot of people are, might be complaining about price. Might not, the service level might not be what it used to be. I think there was a point in time group breaking had a little more money flowing through it. Guys were feeling a little bit better about their business, a little bit about themselves, maybe a little bit better about the future. And then they realized, man, this is a seasonal business. It's a tough business. I mean, that, that they're building that in maybe to their pricing. But I'm telling you now, raising the price is going to hurt it even more. You need to hit those lower price points. If you're struggling with your business, you need to work on price points, hitting different price points. I'm not talking about making less money. You can make as much money on a $5 sale, usually more, if you know what you're doing, than you can a $50 sale. Especially through PayPal, there's there's huge fees and, and, and percentages off a $50 sale. You still get nickeled and dimed the same percentage on a $5 sale, but... Again, it's easier to find those people at those lower price points. And I think it's gotten a little out of hand. I think the idea around group breaking was, oh, yeah, it can get me into a box for less than what it costs for a box. But now that's not the case. Now I could buy the box or the rookie card or whatever I want for the same price it does cost to get into the break. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm not. You can send me an email. You can get on this uh, breaker culture website and, and, and express your opinion on there. That's why I brought that up. Um yeah, and the listener f- tweeting at me the one day flip on check out my cards. I thought that was awesome, and I think this is just a sign of things to come. And so I wanted to get on this podcast and just let you guys know. I don't know if a, 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 there's certainly not anybody talking about this on a podcast unless check out my cards. That's the problem with a lot of these podcasts out there. A lot of this content, not just podcasts, but content in general, is people won't talk about this unless somebody pays them to. I, you know, personally, I am compensated by. I am, you know. Uh, not compensated directly by check out my cards uh, themselves, but I have a heck of a lot of cards over there. And not that it, even if they all sold right now for full price or over full price, it impact my life, but it sure give me a hell of a lot of more money to spend on cards. And so that's kind of how I look at it. But I don't think there's a lot of people that really are starting to connect the dots that that and maybe I didn't right away either. I kind of wanted to see the first thirty days or so, but I've seen the figures. I I have Terapeak. I can see every. I literally can see every sale that uh, that check out my cards does on eBay. I can see their average number of sales. I can see the total number. I can see everything that they've done through using Terapeak. It's uh, T E R. A and then peak P E A K it's 30 bucks a month or thereabouts. But, um, you know, for a data kind of geek like myself, it's worth, it's worth it. Um, but anyways, so I've seen the data check out my cards is absolutely crushing it. And in fact, I think there's some indications that they pulled back a little bit on the number of cards. They they've pushed through the site because it, it creates a lot of work for them. But it's a positive – check out my cards as a positive ecosystem for the trading card community. I don't think people get that either. This is a this is a hobby collector just like us who started this website. And now I think he's on the brink of controlling a vast amount of the inventory – not only the inventory of cards available for sale but also the money available to buy those cards. And that's even more important. Um, controlling that puts check out my cards in a very, very lucrative position. And I like them in that position rather than it being PayPal or eBay. eBay doesn't give, I mean, they, they care about the card community, but they care about the card community as much as they care about the diamond community and the, the used furniture and the used car part community. Whereas check out my cards 
All he cares about is baseball cards. He's tried comic books. He's, he's looked into coins. He's looked into all these other things. I pray to God he gets into coins because I'll be, believe me, I'll be trading every single one of my cards in essentially through a sale and I'll be buying coins. I mean, those shipped to myself. Trust me, I'd love to be able to flip baseball cards and use the profits to buy gold and silver. I'd be, I'd be on check out my cards every single minute of the day if that was possible because it'd be literally like turning cardboard into gold. You, that's literally what you'd be doing. So I hope he branches into those other things uh, more and, and certainly coins. I know he has quite an inventory of comic books already, but I'd love to see coins not not at the high, not necessarily at the high end. Could be all just certified PSA to kind of take out the fakes and all that other stuff. Um, and maybe you know a certain certain level of coin has to be bought and sold on checking my cards. But I'd love for that to be the case. But anyways, I wanted to point that out for you guys. If you're not already on the site, you're probably asking why is this guy on here blowing check out my cards dick so much, guys. I've visited these people in person. I've talked to this guy multiple times. He's emailed me personally uh, several times. We've had conversations. My brother meets with him uh, at least once or twice a year and just has conversations. And just, I've met with him at the Industry Summit. This is a website I've been following for a while. And I think it's good for the hobby, quite frankly. And despite what you might see, uh, most of you probably don't see it, but um, I'm here for the good of the hobby. I take a different angle at it. I don't go down the same street as everybody. And if you're, uh, again, if you know my background, you know where I'm from, not only the city I'm from, but the education I've had, you don't go down the same path as everybody else. That is like the uh, like a sure sign of failure. Like very, very successful people convinced me very early on. If you do what everybody else does in life, you're going to be a failure. Not in every sense, not that your life's a failure, but professionally, I would consider that a failure. So certainly with this podcast, I'm not going to be on here. Oh, upper decks. Let's hope, let's hope everybody, uh, you know, gets along. I, you know, I get these guys don't get along. Or a lot of people in this business won't promote something that they don't have any kind of connection to. And on today's show, I shouted out breaker culture again. Some of you might think that I have some connection to this website. I guarantee you I have absolutely not. Maybe I do. Maybe I do know this dude. I didn't look at the who is. I didn't look in. I didn't ask around who who set up this website. But I guarantee you um, right now I feel like I have no affiliation to it. I'm willing to just shout it out there. I don't care. And and for years I've been doing that with check on my cards because I believe it's a high quality, uh, high quality investment for you as a collector. High quality uh, site for the hobby in general. I think the hobby is moving in a nice direction. Haven't said that in a while. Maybe that's bad. Maybe I'm soft now. Maybe there's certainly an opportunity. Maybe to start a hard hitting podcast, hard hitting radio show on the hobby. Now that I think, I don't think it's all great. I don't think you know it's a it's. It's on its way. You know, you need to quit all your day jobs and get into this hobby. Certainly, there's not that kind of money flowing through it. But the attention to detail I'm seeing with things like Tops Now, with check out my cards. Uh, you know, I don't want to say finally allowing the ability to check, uh, allow you to sell on eBay, but it finally reaching that point. I think uh, as a site, uh, you know, that's kind of neat. We got the national coming up. It's always a great time of year. It's always a great time to see everybody, um, you know, at the national. I don't get to see it up close and personal, but I certainly follow it on social media. I watch all the videos. I certainly talk to not only my brother. I try to talk to multiple people that are at the event because my brother's just one viewpoint. He's just one person there looking at it through one like kind of lens. I certainly love to hear. Um, and, and not only here of kind of firsthand, but kind of secondhand reading through blogs and things like that. So it's an exciting time for me. I think people, uh, you know, maybe I don't convey that enough on the show, but, um, it's something, you know, I, I probably enjoy 
following the hobby from that lens than buying the cards myself. Uh, and I certainly collect I don't really have any interest in collecting cards. I buy them occasionally for myself, but, but very, very, very rarely will I buy a card, uh, to keep there's just so many of them that it's like, you know, it's like picking a wife. It's like, uh, you know, uh, that was that was easy to do if you met my wife. It, it's easy to do if you met her. But um, you know, baseball cards. You know, I'm, I, why do I need to get married to a baseball card? It's kind of how I look at it. Women's different, <laughs> but um, certainly, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Thanks for the feedback again. Thanks for the feedback on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, email, uh, the works. I really. Really appreciate it. This show goes on not because of me, but because of you. You don't know. I'm. I'm. Tr- I try to express that every show. That yes, I do enjoy doing the show. But if nobody contacted me, and and it, again, it can be negatively. I actually encourage you if you have something negative to say about the show. If you disagree, it doesn't necessarily be negative, but de- definitely if you disagree with something I said I, I guarantee you over almost 200 shows now I've said lots of things that haven't come true or have have not come anywhere close to being true send those to me document them send them to me uh, I'd love that that would be awesome um, and certainly if you enjoy the show and you get something out of it of course God I love that uh, equally as much I honestly love both feedback equally as much so I encourage both so Thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Stay cool. I saw some pictures of the East Coast. Look, like it was raining. Can't believe that. But uh, hopefully you guys are doing well out here. You're staying cool on the West Coast. On the East Coast, uh, I might be staying dry. I don't know if it's that time of year yet. But until then, until another time, till the weather clears wherever you are, thanks for tuning in. But for now, we are out of here. <laughs>